Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslim Centric Podcast where we hope to educate, inspire and entertain on issues relevant to Muslim life and I'm your host Aman. This is the second part of our three-part series called Crisis of Faith with Sheikh Amr Jamil where we explore issues which may lead some Muslims to doubt their faith in God and religion and we look at what role life experiences play and how these can be reconciled with Islamic teachings. In this second episode, we discuss the question, why does God allow suffering? And this can be in the form of difficult things that happen in our life, as well as uh, illness and certainly loss and bereavement. There's a reference to a couple of videos in the podcast itself, which we haven't included due to rights reasons, but I've included them in the show notes and they're both available on YouTube. One is a clip by Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. And he talks about the 17 benefits of tribulation. And the other is a stark interview by Stephen Fry, who is a well-known British uh, author and presenter. And he talks about God, particularly from an atheist perspective. And we made reference to this through the show itself. The show was originally broadcast in Ramadan 2018 on Radio Ramadan Glasgow. And you can check out their website at www.rr365.co.uk. Please do support the podcast. Please rate, review, like and share wherever you get your podcast from. And do follow us in social media and share it with your friends and family. So until next time, Assalamu Alaikum. Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. You're listening to Crisis of Faith show and uh, your host Aman Durani and I've got my co-host Abdul Wadud. Assalamu Alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, Aman. How are you doing? Good, Hamda. Thank you very much. So um, if you tuned in last uh, last week at the same time, you we had a bit of a discussion about the premise of this show and what we know in our times is so many issues going on, but one of the big issues that we're really facing, and then I think will be an issue for the coming um, years and, and generation, is people that, for many different reasons, have started to doubt why they are Muslim and they end up leaving their faith or certainly having a lot of doubts about their faith. Often we have so much focus and everyone feels very happy when we hear about people that are coming to Islam, whether you call them converts or reverts. But there's perhaps less focus and less emphasis on people that are leaving Islam. And particularly, I think it's an issue of uh, young people who, you know, with the narrative that they hear about Islam in the media, you know, in the very negative portrayal, sometimes it becomes dif- difficult to work out the wheat from the chaff, from the truth, from all the perceptions that you hear. And so we felt it was really important to focus on these topics um, about a crisis of faith in a very honest way, but also having suggestions and ideas of how we can move on from that. And we're very grateful to our esteemed guest, uh, Sheikh Amr Jamil, who is joining us every week to explore some of these topics in depth. Last week, we mentioned that there's several different reasons. And one of the articles that we'd um, come across, which I think resonates with some of us, is that there's sometimes three main areas why people have a crisis of faith. One area is to do with like moral and social norms um, and how society is changing around them. Another reason is more philosophical and scientific concerns, you know, um, more from a sort of a very cognitive and theoretical perspective. And the third is perhaps this personal trauma, bad experiences that have happened to people that they, you know, that leads them to doubt their faith. And so today's topic, we're going to talk about why does God allow suffering? And it's a very heavy topic. And last week we talked a bit about, uh, quite in depth, actually about homosexuality and how the difficulties that arise from that that lead to people having a crisis of faith. And so today's um, topic, which we're talking about, is why does God allow suffering? 
and thinking about how that will then perhaps lead for some people to doubt their faith. And this is quite one that sometimes we come across or hear uh, a lot, an abrupt and direct sort of statement. But I was thinking in terms of this whole topic, and we'll explore different areas. I think we'll think about a little bit in terms of um, personal loss and suffering and people, you know, issues arising from that. So perhaps people have experienced illnesses of children, family members, perhaps miscarriages, stillbirths, deaths of children, or perhaps, you know, people have experienced terminal illnesses or uh, quite severe illnesses. And people will say, actually, why is this happening to me? This seems really unfair. Or what did I do? You know, I was very practicing or very had a strong faith in God. And it's not uncommon even for very religious people to sometimes say, you know, it shakes their faith and makes them think twice about God when they go through these experiences. And then we'll maybe think a little bit even on the global context, you know, it's, we hear about things that are happening in Rohingya, in Syria, in all of these conflict zones. And you can imagine people in these areas thinking, actually, why me? Why is Allah you know, doing this to me, you know, a lot of our scholars, Sheikh Amr, Sheikh Rizwan, for example, spent a lot of time in Damascus and Syria and walking with the people there. And, and, you know, we hear about these traumas and this really difficult conflicts for, you know, places that are really blessed. And so these are some of the things we'll explore. Um, But firstly, let's hear a bit about uh, the clip from Stephen Fry. So many of you will know about Stephen Fry. He's a very famous uh, broadcaster, writer, and He's um, got these strong opinions about God and, you know, about God and suffering. And I think the important thing about Stephen Fry is really he he has such a high profile. I mean, he does a lot of campaigning. He's got mental health issues, does a lot of campaigning. So certainly, you know, I would credit him with that. He's encouraging people to have these conversations about, he's talked about his own um, health issues. But what, uh, one of the things, and he's a very, very, very intelligent person yeah. and very articulate, you know, Abdul will, you know, if you watch any QI and all these yeah, sort of yeah, things, you know, Allah, he kind of knows Allah. everything, you know. Um, and yet, you know, if you listen to this clip, you really, uh, it can take you aback. So it's uh, so a couple, a clip for a couple of minutes to perhaps encapsulate some of the issues that we're going to talk about today. Sheikh, I guess, we, you know, it's not an uncommon thing. And it, it, you know, if you YouTube some of these things, is you know, people like Ricky Gervais, a lot of celebrities who really almost big passion about hating God and this what sort of God allows his suffering. So um, from a Muslim angle, I mean, we will unpack some of these things that come up. But I guess coming to this core things that, you know, we hear a lot about uh, Allah being merciful and beneficent and uh, caring and generous. Um, and in like Christian theology, very much about love, you know, even... You know the whole, if you you know the royal wedding recently with the <laughs> Prince Harry, you know, and that black preacher that came who's kind of stole the show. His whole thing was about love, you know, and about you know that was it, and you know everyone's you know very powerful. So how do we go for? How do we reconcile this issue that if God is so loving, you know, why are bad things happening in the world, and why are bad things happening to me? So, I mean, that's a quite a typical kind of um, answer that you you hear from from atheists um, because they can't understand um, events around them. Um, the thing, the the way we as Muslims look at things is that the first the first premise that people need to understand is um, this world is a as a temporary abode. You're only here for a very short period in comparison to. Eternity. So if you think of 50 years or 60 years, um, it's a very short period in terms of 
what is to come after this. So our focus is not just the dunya. We don't we don't see our um, our understanding of life. Like when I'm thinking of my life, um, this is this is Imam Haddad's got a book on the lives of man, and he says there are five stages of life. The first stage was in the soul world when the souls were created. Second is this world. Third world, uh, third world is when you die and you go into the what's called the interspace or the barzakh, which is the life of the grave. Then the fourth is when you're resurrected and the reckoning happens. And then the fifth is um, eternal paradise or eternal uh, hellfire. So there's five different um, <clears throat> stages of life. Um, for atheists, it's just this world. That's it. This and and to be honest. Um, you only live live once. You only, you only live once, and um, they have. I mean, it's basically just you. You got one life, enjoy it to your full. And what they're going to do, they're just going to go for their base desires, um, because we have all these base desires within ourselves. So fasting. Why would you fast the month of Ramadan? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I? Why would I? I've got one life to live. Why would I deny myself of food and drink, which are pleasurable things? Why would I deny myself that? So um, it's all about indulging. It's all about um, what feels right, what's right. So their whole um, outlook and uh, world vision is, is very much about um, the person. Um, and, and he's talking about selfish Godwell. It's, it's, it's basically, you know, you're just thinking about yourself, what's most important to you, what's what makes you happy and all these other things. <clears throat> and in terms of other uh, morals or things that would you do right, it's just because it feels right in your heart. Um, and if it didn't feel right, you would do something else. So that's the kind of um, diff- the, the fundamental difference between us and them. And the second is this central thing that he's talking about: why, why is God doing this? Why is God doing that? It's what's called the question of evil in uh, theology, and it's not something which um, just affects uh, Muslims; it affects all faiths. This question of, okay, if, if there is a God. Wires are suffering in the world, and inshallah, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, but the simple answer to that question is that nothing um, is devoid of meaning, nothing is devoid of benefit, and nothing is devoid of wisdom. It's about whether we understand or not. So, if we think of a child, um, so if I've got a child, and he says, and he and I give him a chocolate, and he enjoys the chocolate, and he says, "I want another one, Dad." Right? At some point, I'm going to say, "No, that's enough," because I know that that's not good, it's not beneficial for him, okay? But in his five-year-old, six-year-old, he doesn't understand that. He can't understand why you're not giving me this chocolate. You must be the meanest dad in the world. You're so horrible. You don't love me, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what happens is that it's almost as if, like, so Stephen Fry, he's a creation of God, right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, وَمَا مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You've been given a limited amount of knowledge because our brains are limited, our bodies are limited. We're limited by space and time and so on. So because we're limited, our aql as well, our intellect is, is limited. Our understanding is limited. Um, so we can only understand to a certain extent you know, is that there's a there's a there's a boundary that our knowledge goes to. There's a boundary for everything. So for us to fully one hundred percent understand something that's not created, that has no beginning, that has no end, is everlasting. Um, it's very very difficult, right? So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tries to help us by giving us information in the Quran, and so on, um, to understand Him. But does that mean that we fully one hundred percent understand Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? No, we don't. So. Um, 
when it comes to things which we we may perceive as a negative, okay, so we perceive it as a negative, but if we saw the fuller picture, if we saw reality, we'd say, ah, that makes complete sense, right? So it's just that we don't have the full picture. So Stephen Fry is looking at this big massive picture with like a, a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, eyepiece, and you can only see this one thing, and he, if he zooms out, and sees the entire picture and sees where it all fits in. Says, "Ah, oh, actually, now it makes perfect sense." Which is why some of the pious in the, in the past used to say that if the veils were created, I would not have increased in uncertainty. In other words, I'm completely certain that what's happening right now is in my best interest and it's happening the most perfect way possible. Because if the veils were lifted and I could see everything, right, then I would totally get it. So, mm-hmm. so it's like um, I remember we were doing this NLP course. And we were shown a picture of one man pushing another man. So we were asked in the, in, in the class, what do you think of this? And we said, well, that's, that's wrong. This man's getting pushed by another man. It's oppression, right? So then they, they, they increase the, the picture. So you, you, you start to see it. And, you, and then what happens is that eventually the picture becomes really big, big and something falling from the sky, like a, like a brick or something, which is going to land in this guy. So the other guy who's pushing him is pushing him out of the way. And he said, well, what do you think now? And we said, well, <laughs> now he's actually saving him. Good, yeah. You know, so, so at, at one point we thought this is, he's completely wrong, he's oppressing him. But when we saw the fuller picture, all of a sudden our opinion changed. And that's exactly the, the same analogy we should apply for these things. As Muslims, we have this wider um, perspective of the Akhirah. So it's not, not just all about this world. But there's also something you mentioned which is interesting, which you said maybe we've got limited wisdom in terms of why bad things happen and we can't see the bigger picture. So can, can I perhaps unpack some of that with you? So, I mean, if um, somebody experiences some difficulty, like Stephen Fry talked about, um, you know, why would God have created like these insects which, you know, basically are in children's eyes to make them blind. Or if you think about perhaps common examples that we know around us is, you know, perhaps um, people that experience uh, miscarriages or stillbirths or death of babies. I can understand your point about that maybe there's a bigger wisdom, but what wisdom or what advantages can there be in those sort of situations? How can that be any good in terms of if you are able to stay, take that step back, you know, how? Because people will question actually. Well, what is the wider benefit of this really bad things happening for innocent children or innocent people around us or people that are very pious and things <coughs> happen uh, mm-hmm. in a negative way? Um, so, there's a, a really good um, lecture that I would um, rec- highly recommend everybody watch uh, on YouTube by Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. It's um, it's I think it's called the Seventeen. Uh, benefits or wisdoms of trials and tribulations. It's, ba- it's basically he goes through a book by a scholar called uh, Is Ibn Abdullah. Got it in front of me. It's called Al Fitan Wal Balaya Wal Mihan Wal Razaya or Fawaid Al Balwa Wal Mihan. So he was a famous scholar, and um, he basically lists seventeen benefits um, in what we may perceive as being uh, calamities or difficulties. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to go all through 17. You're not going to be able to uh, follow it. But if you listen to that um, that um, lecture, it's on YouTube. Um, I think it's about an hour, just over an hour long, but very beneficial. And obviously she comes up being from the West, he kind of links it to our kind of reality. So um, 
if you listen to that, that will give you a synopsis of what Isa uh, al Salam talks about in terms of he he mentions different um, um, different uh, wisdoms that are, are behind trials and tribulations. What we know of trials and tribulations are, is that they're generally um, have uh, three purposes. So, like you mentioned, that uh, sometimes it happens to good people. Okay, so well, why is it happening to good people? So f- the first is it, it happens to people who bring it upon themselves through sinning. So if you if you do a sin, as you know, it puts a, a black dot in your heart. So if you feel sad, if you feel low, um, obviously if it's straight after a, a sin, then that's that's a consequence of the sin. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about that. al fasad wa fil wal bahar bima kasabat nas. There's corruption has appeared in the land and the sea. Be what people through what people have earned through their own hands. So sometimes it's your own doing. Um, and um, there's also hadith about every uh, discomfort you have in this world. So there's a hadith in Bukhari. It says no fatigue, disease. Difficulty, sadness, the heart, whatever you want to call it, befalls a Muslim, not even the prickling of a thorn, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, by means of it, expiate some of his sins. So it's a purification. So we all have sins. All of us, every single one of us has sins from top to bottom. Um, and when we have a difficulty, any difficulty in life, you have a headache, for example, just a simple thing, a headache, um, then by virtue of that pain that you're suffering, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will recompense that suffering So any suffering in this world right? Whatever suffering it might be Is going to be recompensed This is what I was saying about Our uh, understanding is not just limited to this world If it was limited to this world Then you'd say well, well I don't get this right? Why are some people suffering Some people are not suffering That's not fair But when you look at the bit in, in, a, in a wider context That this is actually on a stage We're only going through this stage in life And we have another life to come and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most just, the most merciful, and so on and so on. He's going to recompense every type of suffering. So anything which happens in your life, whether it's a small suffering to like a prickling of a thorn or a high suffering, like say a illness like cancer, then that's a means of purifying a person's sins. So if you ask somebody, okay, um, at the end of your life, you got three months of, of difficulty of suffering through cancer or something, um, would you have rather not had those three months uh, of suffering and the sins that you're carrying? You'd you'd want to take a chance in the day of judgment uh, of having having to having to answer for them, knowing that the punishment is hellfire. Or would you rather just have three months of suffering in this temporary world, and then go in, into the akhirah with a clean slate? You know. So, but, but on that point, Sheikh. So, how would one know? So, for example, if a couple lose uh, a bit, a child. Huh? You know, re- one of the most difficult things for an individual is, you know, is you know the loss of their children and to bury them. And the, if I mean, how are they to know if they think actually maybe this is because of my sins? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine that will lead to a lot of guilt, a lot of emotional trauma to say, you know, actually we, we pray, we're practicing or whatever, and this thing happened. Naturally, you would say, actually, you know, there's a danger that they would say, actually, maybe this is because of my own sins. Yeah, that I mean, can it's not... to that guilt and that difficulty. No. So how, how does one process some of that? Because the natural question is actually, why has this happened to us? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, um, the suffering that you feel through whatever mechanism it is, you lose somebody, uh, a relative, whatever, right? It's not within, like, it's nothing to do with you, it's like external people. Any suffering that you have, your sins will be expiated. But it's not. It doesn't mean that um, because of your sins, that person 
was was made to die early, for example. Um, because like I said, either it's through your own sinning or it's not through sinning, it's just to purify you of other sins, right? It's not that particular sin, it's other sins. And the third thing which uh, and I didn't get to mention is uh, sometimes the person, it's got, it's, it's got nothing to do with sins at all, is to raise their rank. And this is the, the case with, say, like um, prophets, the mm. case with um, Sahaba, the case with like um, pious people. There's a hadith that says, "Ashadun nasi balaan al anbiya." The people who were most uh, had suffered the most in life were the prophets. So whatever you you're going through is nothing compared to what the prophets went through. Okay, and they were the most beloved to God. They were the closest to God. Um, and then it says, al amthal." Then the most like them, fal amthal. Then the most like them. So basically, people who devoted their lives to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala have always gone through difficulties. They've always had, they've always had pain and suffering. Um, that is not. That doesn't mean that they they had lots of sins. That was to raise their their ranks. And one of the things I think the problem is that we're sometimes so disconnected from our tradition and our and the book. I mean, this is the month of Ramadan. We're supposed to be reading it and, and contemplating it. If you look at the Quran. It is full of stories of past nations, isn't it? It's full of stories of prophets. Any prophet you look at did not have a good time. Every prophet had a hard time, right? They had difficulties. I mean, I was listening to Surah Yusuf today in, in the Tarawih prayers. I mean, the the, the story of Surah of Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, of no fault of his own. He, you know, his, his brothers first of all think of killing him. Then he gets left. Then he gets put in a well. Then uh, he gets sold into slavery. Then he ends up going to uh, prison innocently And then he eventually Obviously things uh, Turn good at the end But he has a difficult Difficult life The Prophet ﷺ said Nobody Had as many difficulties As I did So these are prophets Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So when we're reading These stories They're not just stories That we're supposed to just read We're supposed to think Okay If that's the prophets Right If that's what happened To the prophets Then it's It's obviously natural that other people are going to have these same difficulties. We're not going to have at the same level, but we're also going to have difficulties. And then you look at, well, what is the lessons behind those stories? Um, for example, the end is always for people that have taqwa. So these are trials and tests that happen. I mean, there's another verse in Surah Baqarah which says, do you really think you'll enter paradise without going through difficulties that people before you had to go through? So when people look at this thing of, well, why did it happen to me? Why was it? Why is it only now you're thinking that? So before when it was happening to other people, it was okay. But all of a sudden, because it's happening to me, but why is it happening? You know, before you, you lost that child, were people not losing their children? Were, people, were you not watching suffering on the TV all over the world? So why was it, in a sense, acceptable at that point? But when it touched you, it became unacceptable. So can people take comfort in, I mean, even if you look at the Prophet, peace be upon him's life. The yeah. Prophet lost his, his That's what I was going to say. So he's, you know, the most beloved to Allah. And he, he lost all his, his he children. List, he, list, he lost all his children in his life, yeah. apart from Fatima Zahra. And she passed away six months after him. But he, he, you know, all his children passed away in his life. And again, that is in Allah's plan and Allah's wisdom. And yeah, and when, and, when, and when he when he was crying at the death of Ibrahim, his son, um, the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, you're, you're, are you displeased with God? And he said, no. He says, uh, we accept what Allah decrees, right? We, we, we are con- we're content with it. Um, but and we don't say anything which is displeasure to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, this is like my, uh, this is rahmah, this is my the mercy in my heart. In other words, this is my human side that I can't control. I can't control feeling sad. Um, however, 
it's um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best And the thing is I remember I had this um, Many years ago when I was doing a counselling certificate And we had to do like um, triads when you kind of Role playing and, role stuff, playing like and stuff And so we were, asked to, we were asked to talk about something very difficult So I think one lady um, talked about um, losing her child It was actually losing her child Another one I think her, her issue was her father or something um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to listen and ask questions And I remember the one who'd lost a child She was breaking down mm. the, other, the other woman, she was breaking down I thought, I need to think of something significant I can't just think of anything, Mickey Mouse So I thought, okay, what, what's, what's the significant loss I've had? And I thought of my, my father passing away So then what happened was that they had, it was my turn So they said, okay, so how did it make you feel? I said, well, I felt sad and this and that However... I knew that I could still do acts of charity for him. I know I could still go and give him salams at the grave. I know I could still read for him. And um, I know it's a temporary a, t- a temporary absence. Separation, yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, okay, I mean, I was 30 when my dad passed away. I thought, well, if I, law on average is I've lived to 60, 65, it's only another 30 years. And, you know, as you know, time goes like that. Mm. So the way I looked at it was it's a temporary separation. It's like, okay, I'm not seeing him now, but inshallah, I will see him again uh, in a happier state. Um, in a better way, in a, in a better place. So what I realised, and then what happened was they were asking me all these questions, and I, and I wasn't breaking down. I, was, I wasn't even crying. And they're saying, but so how do you feel? I said, well, I accept it because I know that everyone's going to die, right? I know that everyone has to go. I have to go. No one's here forever. No one, you know, the people that came before me have gone. There's going to be people that are going to come. I'm going to go as well. I'm going to move on. So as we were going through this, I realized, I thought, subhanAllah, you know, this is the difference that my faith has given me a mechanism of coping with whatever life throws at me. Now, the problem with when you're talking about that clip with Stephen Fry um, and other atheists is that, say, for example, their entire existence revolved around their, their, their spouse, right, their partner. That was the love of their life. And all of a sudden, the person dies. Right, got nothing to live for. We've got nothing to. Uh, this is, then what happens? Depression, alcoholism, etc., etc. Because why did that happen? There's no justice. Or let's just take another example. Um, all the sex abuse uh, scandals that happened with Jimmy Savile and so on. Right. So if somebody who was a victim um, came forward, but then that person who did the abuse got away with it. Mm. How would that make you feel? Mm. That's going to kill you. Mm. That, that This person abused me and got away with it. Whereas our understanding is he will not get away with it. If he gets away with it in this world, guess what? He's, going to, he's not going to get away with it in the next world. So the thing is, justice, for us, there's always going to be justice. If you're an atheist, there's, there's always going to be injustice because why did my son just die? I loved him. He should have had a, a chance at life. Why didn't he get a chance at life? So that is completely devoid. So it actually makes... Dealing with life a lot more difficult. I think that's really helpful, Sheikh, of that approach. But I think one of the things that we know, Sheikh, is that it, certainly on the surface it appears like some people seem to have quite a cushy life, right? Things seem to be going well for them and maybe don't seem to have had many traumas and they've got, you know, they're doing pretty well in life and quite a straight trajectory. And you see some individuals, some families with lots of lots of difficult and bad things happen to them. So it's not just isolated things, it's like maybe that cumulative effect that, you know, they've lost somebody when they were young and then they can't get a job and then they were in an abusive relationship and then, you know, uh, something else happened and then something else. And you see, you know, you see some of these families and individuals that it seems actually, you know, this person's had a really tough life and compared to somebody else who's actually 
his life's going pretty well. I've gone to school, had a good stable relationship, family. You know, I'm doing well. I've got, I'm a professional. I'm a career and humble. You know, all of that. And so that sense that you know, that doesn't. Even some people say well, that might not seem fair, but also for these people that have had all these cumulative, you know, stresses. You know, they might feel actually this. I've had. You know, this is a, this is too much for me. You know, in terms of you know, I see in my day job. You know, a lot of people that have thoughts of wanting to harm themselves or life's not worth living and um because life you know um not being here seems a better option than being here you know because life is so difficult so how do how do we reconcile that aspect that look some people might have seemed to have cushy lives and Allah doesn't seem to be testing them as much and some people seem to get all the tests you know and you know it's all, and that all builds up and builds up. How do we make sense of that? Because then people, you can imagine the person, and really, you can imagine the person. Probably what happens: the person has got a cushy life, forgets Allah right until something bad happens, and the people that are having constant difficulties will actually say, you know, God's not being really helpful to me here. I'm pretty, you know, I'm getting all the grief here, and you know, I can't cope, and I'm better off just exiting. Mm. How do you make sense of all of this? Um, yeah, so th- I think there's two things. Um, one is that everybody is tested, um, and everyone's test is going to be different. So some people have a particular test, other people have a different test. So one thing is that everyone will be tested. Um, yes, some people will have a greater, uh, or what looks like a greater test in this life, but like I said, the recompense is there in the hereafter, such that if they could see the hereafter and they could look back in life and say, right, would you, have, would you have rather had that other person's life or your life? They would have said, no, I would have want my own life. Because when they see what they're going to get in return for it. Because it's raised their ranks. Because perhaps. it's raised their ranks. Because, uh, yeah, the, 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 in terms of what they're going to get in terms of the paradise and so on. Uh, no reckoning, for example, or less lit reckoning, etc. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, is, is that it's not a very helpful way of looking at the world where you focus on, um, like you're saying, why has God done this, why has God done that, whereas not looking at what God has done for you. And because our focus should be on being grateful for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. There's a hadith, I think it's a very powerful hadith, it's in Bukhari, it says that um, when you're, you should always look at people below you, right? You should always look at people below you in the dunya because that way you will not belittle the bounty of Allah on you. So what happens is we, like you said, you're comparing yourself to the guy in the office who seems to have a great life. Uh, like I said, they have their own issues, which maybe they're not letting you know, right? But what happens is we compare ourselves to other people, right? We compare ourselves to people who maybe have got more wealth, more beauty, whatever it is, right? We're always looking at people at people at a higher status. Whereas if we looked at the people in, say, in Rohingya or in Syria, you'd think, subhanAllah, man, I've got so much. The fact that I've got food on my table, the fact that I've got a roof over my head, the fact that I've got clothes to wear, the fact that... I don't have I don't have fear of my life. All of these things, I have these things. So the focus should be on what you have rather than not what you don't have. And the problem is that what happens is that in um, 
in, uh, in, in terms of dunya, we look at people higher than us, rather than lower than us. Whereas when it comes to the deen, we do the opposite. We look at people who, so if I'm praying three, ta- three times a day, I'm saying, well, that guy's only praying one ta- times a day, so I'm, do- I'm doing all right. <laughs> right. Whereas what we should be doing, that's when you look at people higher than you. You look at the guy doing five prayers, you think, man, I'm only doing three, I should be doing five. So we've got our way of looking at things a bit skewed. We need to uh, rejig our focus. If your focus becomes on what you have, Rather than what you don't have And this is a problem with this society Is that it's always pushing things towards you Which you don't have That's what advertising is Advertising is all about You need this thing If you do this you'll be you'll be happy If you get this you'll be happy If you get that you'll be happy Rather than actually you stopping and thinking I'm actually quite happy I don't really need anything mm. I don't need any more things I'm actually okay I, I don't have any problems Alhamdulillah So I think um, we need to we need to just like rethink how we're how the whole we're paradigm shift to the yeah, our definitely. whole outlook of life. And we were talking about why does God allow suffering to occur in the world? But Sheikh, I wanted to ask: so, is it okay when you are going through trial and tribulation, suffering? Is it okay to question your faith when that occurs? And to follow on from that, is it okay to speak about? your own questioning of your faith with other people for for help and assistance um yeah well, i think i think the way to say it is that i'm struggling i'm struggling to understand this i don't get it so when you talk to other people it's basically uh etiquette or adab with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but i mean allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving he knows these things are difficult so if people say the wrong thing inshallah he'll forgive but um it's better to have adab and say that I don't understand this. So you say to another person, I'm struggling. I just, this calamity happened to me. I don't get it. What, what, what do you think? You know, rather than saying, you know, I, 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 why did God do this and this and that and all the rest of it. So I think it's um, how you how you say things. That's why when Ibrahim alayhi salam passed away, uh, the Prophet's son, he said that we don't say anything which is displeasurable to Allah. So when the Prophet was crying, he, he still said that we don't say anything displeasurable to Allah. We accept Decree And the thing is Look um, every, Everyone's going to die I mean I'm going to die You're going to die uh, You know Amanullah's going to die We're all going to die You know Everyone's going We're all going at some point Some are going to go sooner Some are going later And if, if we all live to 80 Then what would happen is When you're in your 20s Everyone would be chilling Because you know It's alright I've got 60 years left man I'm just going to go and do Hajj When I'm 70 I'll do Tawbah I'll grow a beard Sit in the mosque <laughs> As the strategy is By some people um, But What happens is Because you you hear shockingly somebody at twenty one just passed away, somebody at thirty one just passed away, somebody at forty one passed away, somebody at fifty. Because you hear that all the time, that keeps you on edge. You're like, well, hold on, I don't know if I'll live to eighty, so I can't rest on my loyals. I need to basically ensure that I'm on top of it. So I think um, there's lots of wisdoms and benefits why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala does all these things. It's whether we whether we fully get it or we don't get it. We're never fully going to get it because we're limited, um, and this is where obviously faith comes in. There's lots of, um, uh, like I said, there's lots of benefits which we can't see. So one of the benefits I'll say the scholars say is that you only know things through their opposites. So you only know well-being through sickness. If you were never ill and you never had that pain, you so when you have a headache, right, you become aware of what it's like not to have a headache. Right, and you you realize it's such a blessing, but you don't realize it when you don't have a headache. Mm. So then, when you get the headache, you're like, "Oh my God!" You know, it's so you know what this calamity is. Same with thing, illness. When illness hits you and you're on your bed and you can't do anything, then you become reminded of you know I'm nothing. 
I'm nothing and I don't have any power of my own. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just gives me this little illness, I can't move. So then you, you appreciate well-being again. Uh, I mean, we're fasting. When we drink that f- first glass of water, we appreciate water. Because we're living in a time where we have water in our taps, we stand in the shower, we don't have to think about water at all, we have to walk for water. But it's only when we fast and that thirst builds up and when you drink that water you think, Bismillah, and you think Alhamdulillah, you feel it. So this is a thing, you, you feel things um, at times and if those things were not taken away from you, you'd never feel them properly. It's really interesting, Umar al-Khattab said that he was never afflicted by a difficulty except he always found four blessings in it. And he said that, the first is it's not in my religion. In other words, I'm still a believer. Okay. Secondly, he goes, I'm not deprived of God's pleasure. Uh, thirdly, he said it could have been worse. Because <laughs> right? it can always be worse. And he said, lastly, I hope that I'm rewarded on account of it for being patient. You know, and if you, if you, if you make that your outlook in life, you will be able to power through any, any calamity or any difficulty because you will always see the good and this is a thing that you have to get away from negative thinking and think more positive. Is one of the be- most beautiful hadith um, that I uh, I uh, have come across and I like is the the one about strangers the fear of the believer. All his affair is good. If something bad happens, he's patient and he's rewarded for it. If something good happens, he's thankful and he's rewarded for it as well. So in both situations, is a win-win situation. So it's about, like I was saying before, about how we, how what is our outlook uh, on life? How do we, how do we view things? I had a, an, a relative who, you could say, had a good life, right? He never really um, had difficulties um, until his last maybe six, seven years. Had a stroke, uh, and now he's housebound. Can't do the things that he used to, and it's very difficult for somebody who's been independent now to rely on other people, not have full. Um, control over your own body and I had this really profound um, conversation with him he said to me you know he goes I'm 77 years old and he goes and he, he, and he obviously he's been reflecting on his life and he goes he goes you know something Allah gave me a good life he goes I had a good life uh, and he goes nothing really shook me until this last six seven years of my life right for me from my perspective this is a, this is a preparation for him to meet his Lord, right? This is, this is how I'm looking at it. But he said to me, he goes, he goes, you know, like, and the word he said was nature, right? Nature, if you understand that, he said, like, you know, what's nature in English? The, the essence, yeah, the essence. Well, he's basically in the essence, right? This, he goes, like, the essence of my life, right? He goes, over a reflection of 77 years in this earth, my whole life, he goes, the essence of my life, I've realized in the last few years, is that God was teaching me that you're nothing. <laughs> Right, he goes because I thought I was, it. I thought this, I thought you know, I was nothing ever got me down apart from this, and it was, Allah was bringing me back down to earth. He was humbling me basically, and I thought, Subhanallah, you know something? I thought at least you got it, mm. at least you've understood that lesson that God, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was teaching you, because a lot of people, have unfortunately, not learn it. So, I mean, just to, you, you mentioned the. The saying of uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab What if, you know, the first statement was Is not taking me out of my religion What if you're there? What if you're in that situation Where you find yourself Questioning your faith deeply? What, what 
What advice would you have for somebody who's knowledge is knowledge is a cure for for ignorance. The only reason you're feeling that is because you're you don't understand, mm. and the way to cure that is to understand. Um, and the more you connect yourself to knowledge um, through people of knowledge, circles of knowledge, um, being around uh, good people that can benefit you, um, looking and I always think, I always say that if somebody, my personal opinion, right, is that if somebody is sincere. If somebody has ikhlas, if somebody has sincerity and they, they turn to God with sincerity, I am 100% sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide that person. They might go through a difficult patch. They might have a, a, a little dip, right? However, they will find their way back mm-hmm. if the person is sincere. And um, I mean, I always like the story of Musa and Khidr and Surah Kaf. Surah Kaf, we read it every Friday. Um, and at the, towards the end, it's got the story of Musa alayhi salam and Khidr. And we know Musa alayhi salam is one of the five pivotal um, pro, uh, messengers, prophets. And um, he's he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, is there, uh, you know you've given me knowledge and this and that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look, there's somebody I've given knowledge which you don't have. He says, okay, I want to, I want to meet that person. So he tells him, okay, go to this place, gives them certain um, things to do to find the person. So he finds this person, the person's Khidr. Now there's a bit of a dis- difference of opinion whether Khidr is a prophet or he's just a, a, a friend of God, a wali of Allah. Um, however, what they say is that um, uh, the scholars say that by cons- almost consensus uh, that Musa Islam had a higher status than, than Khidr. Um, so he says, I want to, I want to be with you uh, and just observe you. He says that, um, okay, but he goes, you're not going to be able to get it. So... Uh, you know, you sure? He goes, look, I'll, I'll, don't worry, I won't, I won't say anything. I'll be patient. He goes, okay, you can be, you can come with me, but you can't ask any questions. Okay, so the first thing he does is he, uh, he's in this boat and uh, he makes a hole in the boat. And Musa says, what, what are you doing, making a hole in the boat? <laughs> I'm trying. And he goes, I told you not to ask questions. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, I forgot, forgot, forgot. Right. Then he goes past uh, another place and he kills a, a young boy and he says, this is murder. How can you kill somebody? Right, and he says, "I told you not to ask questions." He goes, "Okay, okay, okay." Then the third place, um, they go to a certain town and they ask for some food and hospitality, and they tell him get lost. So as he's leaving, he starts building a wall at the edge of the the town. He goes, "I don't get this, right?" They just threw us out, right? And you're you're doing a good deed for them. I don't get this. He goes, "I told you not to ask questions." He goes, "Now I'll explain to you." Okay, he goes, "As for the the first person, he goes, and this is what Allah had given this this knowledge to Khidr that he said that he'd made me aware that there was a pirate in the area and he was he was basically um, seizing all the good boats. So I made this hole so that he'd look at it as a defect and not take the boat. As for the boy, Allah SWT had told me this this person, had he been led to live, would have caused a lot of corruption, would have killed a lot of people, like a Genghis Khan kind of character, right? And so it was, it was better for the world that he was his life was ended. Um, and the third place, he said that the, there was a, a treasure which was left for orphans underneath that wall. So I built it so it'd be safeguarded so that um, their wealth would not would be given to them when they grow up. And then Musa says, ah, I get it now, right? And he goes, this is what you couldn't be patient with. So that story for me anyway is almost like talking about the question of evil, is that Musa alayhi salam was seeing it as a one-dimensional thing, but I, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I just, this, this seems wrong. It's a bit like what Stephen Fry is saying. I don't get it. Bone cancer and children. I don't get the. I don't see it, right? But like I said, once 
the full picture has shown. You're like, ah, right, okay, now I know what's going on. Now I see, now I see why you'd want to do that or why you'd have to do that. So again, like I said, the more we connect with our tradition, the more we are connected to our Quran, these kind of stories. These are but why is Allah telling us that story? Yeah, we have to ask ourselves, what is God tell, trying to tell me? God's trying to explain that look, sometimes you don't, and this is why it says, Asa and Takrahu Shaitan, Wahua Khairun Lakum. Sometimes, and it says in the Quran, sometimes you hate something and it's actually better for you. And sometimes you love something, it's actually bad for you. Right? So we don't always see it. We we just see the outward, but we don't we can't see the inward. We can't see the full mechanism of what's going on. A bit like um, that hadith about um, Allah does not look at your outward forms or your actions, but He looks at your state, your heart. So we can't see anyone's. I can't see in your heart. You can't see in my heart, right? So I have to judge on the outward. Okay. So in the outward, this person prays. You know, seems to fast Ramadan. It seems to be a good person. I don't know what what's going on in your heart. The, the, we've got a whole surah on the hypocrites and munafiquins, a whole surah about them, who outwardly professed faith, but inwardly they didn't believe. So the state of affairs as they are, we don't know. We only have a snippet of what's going on, but the full picture only, uh, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. So um, it's about understanding your limitations. And this is why... In terms of like uh, advice for, for how do we cope with these things, like I was going back to that counselling example, our faith, by giving us all these understandings, it helps us to deal with these difficulties because Allah knows that these difficulties are going to happen. There's going to be somebody who's going to lose their child. There's going to be somebody who's going to lose a loved one. There's going to be somebody who's going to get cancer. There's going to be somebody that's going to, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Things which... Um, we're completely out of the control And things will happen to them right? But, but all these other texts Puts it in perspective for us And when you When you um, understand that Then you have a complete Different perspective on it And um, this is why I like um, uh, There's a, a, a Poetry by Imam Haddad One of his famous poems uh, which I, I really like And if you, I mean, you can Google it You can see the translation of it And the reason why Imam Haddad was writing in poetry So that people would recite it And people would almost get a, a way of how to live happily And, and the, the, the line says لَا يَكْثُرْ مَا قُدِّرْ يَكُونَ Don't worry too much Because what's meant to be is meant to be And that one line, right? That one line, if you made that your motto of your life you would you would uh, you'd be able to cope with anything, and then he goes on. He goes on to say, "Look, whatever um, whatever is meant for someone else is going to get to someone else. Whatever is meant for you is going to meant, is, is going to come to you in, t- in terms of risk." And we know this risk is um, uh, you know already fixed for a person. So he says, "Don't worry about other people. Don't like look at other people. What they're going to get, they're going to get. What you're going to get, you're going to get. Therefore, you should you should only occupy yourself." With what God is asking you So in other words You should just focus on God And what's God asking me He wants me to pray He wants me to fast He wants me to do this He wants me good to my parents He wants me to uh, Good to my community To give sadaqah this. All the things he's asking me He goes just get on with that And I think this is what Needs to happen Is people need to think Right um, This thing has happened I may not fully understand it I may partially understand it But I know That this life is limited I know that Okay, I've lost my... So let's, let's just say the, the child situation. I've lost my child. We know hadith, we know texts. Any child who passes before puberty goes straight to paradise. 
right? So what does a parent want for the child? What do they want? They always want the best for the child. That's what they say, now, I want the best for my children. But usually it's in a dunyawi sense that they want the, the, the child to have really good grades so they can have a good career, they can, you know, have a, a, a kind of good life. But is our focus, again, is our focus about this 50, 60 years or is our focus for eternity? If you put it like that and you said, well, you have a choice, your child, you can enjoy 50, 60 years, then they're going to have to account for their actions. They may fail and go to hellfire for the rest of eternity or they could um, go straight to paradise. No reckoning, nothing. They'll be at paradise and guess what? They'll intercede for you as well. Which one's better? From, from, from you know, the eternity perspective, obviously that is a better option. So yes, there is a loss, definitely. But is there recompense for that loss? Of course there is. For the child, they go straight to paradise, no reckoning. They're saved from the toils of this earth. This earth, uh, we know, dunya sijnul mu'min. The dunya is a, is a prison for the believer. It's full of trials and tribulations. It's difficult. With things we're talking about, people have mental health issues, people have suicidal thoughts, some people do commit suicide. Life's not easy, right? That person's been saved from all the toils of of um of this of this earth and um they're going straight to paradise and they will intercede for the parents. So the parent who's suffering that loss, they're 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 gonna get recompensed. So I was was Hajj, one of the sheikhs that I've been I'm going to Hajj with uh, Sheikh Rajab has come to Glasgow a few times, he's blind. And uh, so just amazing watching him. He's, he's in mid fifties. Uh, beautiful voice. If you Google him, Sheikh Rajab um, uh, recitation Tarawih. Absolute beautiful voice. And um, obviously, you see him. You're 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 sharing a room with him. You see how he goes to the bathroom. He comes back. He makes himself a cup of tea. And he's got a he's got a phone that talks. So he's like you know he's like goes through his messages. And every so often you say, look, you know, can you can you do this for me or can you do that for me? Um, but Speaking to him has been a very interesting. I mean, he's uh, somebody um, you could say that, again one of those people who's who's got difficulties. He's he's not allowed in Egypt, so his family's there. He's here by himself now. Um, he was he was ch- he was chucked out of uh, Egypt, um, so he's got difficulties. He's in his fifties. He's diabetic. He's blind. Um, you know, so it's it's not an easy it's not an easy life existence that he has. But Subhanallah, just talking to him. It's just uh, he's just full of iman, and um, because he's like um, uh, obviously Quran is like his thing. He's just like when we when he's talking, he just mentions verses of Quran, like an an expression in it because Arabic language. He just like as we're talking in it. I remember once he said (laughs) he said like um, there's a mobile, you know the the wee pin thing that you have to put in to get your sim in, and he goes. he passes it to me. He goes, "Can you can you put that?" He goes, "Irja'ha ila siratul ula," right? And I started laughing because that that siratul ula is from the Quran, but it made sense in the sentence. <laughs> so, so he would just like he would just like put the the verse of Quran into language like, as he's talking, and I thought this is beautiful. But anyway, I mean, I remember we were having a conversation, and he was saying to me. He goes, "You know, I've been blind my my entire life," and he goes, "I think of how many." Sinful things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has saved me from seeing mm. You know, so he, he looked at the at the positive, not the negative He looked at, you know, okay, I, I can't see But the, the positive of that is that I have I, I don't have to lower, lower my gaze You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have these other issues that other people have 
you know, and we have a we have a big problem now in our time. People have got porn porn addictions. They can't stop watching certain things. They can't stop looking at certain things. Can't watch, stop uh, listening to certain things. He goes, I don't have that problem. So again, it's about you know focusing on what Allah has given you, mm. and not what Allah has not given you. Right, exactly. You know, um, we've only got like about five minutes left in the show, but I was just thinking in terms of practical tips because. I guess the suffering side of things, we, it's because we are gravitating towards negative ideas and negative notions. So, man, maybe you might be able to help out here. But I've heard of things like, you know, keeping gratitude journals as a as a way of coping through depression and suffering, just to reflect. Do you have any, like, insights as well of, like... I mean, Sheikh will probably expand on this, but one thing that struck me was... Um, I did um, some interviews for last year's Radio Ramadan with Desert Island Gems and one of the things was trying to get some of these you know, people that had achieved something or been inspirational. And one thing that struck me from one or two of the people that I spoke to, one of them said, look, every day write down three things that you sh- you're grateful for and just almost have a, a, a journal. And he goes, that will help keep you focused and be grateful Um and I thought that was always powerful, really powerful. And I was trying to think, trying to get my kids to do that. Something along those lines in terms of, is that, you know, I think what's resonated with me, Sheikh, is what you're saying in terms of, you know, don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have, you know. So even like this, uh, Sheikh Rajab that you're describing, you know, what are the benefits he's talking about? Not, okay, Allah's made me, you know, deficient in this area and this area. So I think that's something really powerful. And um, one thing that I was going to think, obviously we know the power of dua and prayer. And I'm just thinking in terms of the etiquettes of making prayer and dua. I mean, should we pray to Allah and say, oh Allah, almost don't afflict me with difficulties and troubles? Or is it more about, I'm going to have troubles, but give me the strength to cope with it? So, I mean, is it is it the etiquette right to say, actually, uh, rather than saying, oh, Allah, whatever happens, happens and in your wisdom? Or should you say, actually, Allah, please minimize it. I don't want bad things to happen to me. And so, it's just interesting in terms of the etiquette of dua, in terms of, or should you just make dua that, okay, Allah, whatever happens, give me the strength to deal with it, etc. So, Sheikh, are you able to maybe share some thoughts? Um, yeah, um... And the interesting thing that you're talking about, that thing about um, every day, start with three things you're grateful for. You know, a lot of these like um, life coaches or um, people that are kind of, you know, life changers. I mean, I remember even Tony Robbins, I watched a clip and that's exactly what he was saying. He goes like appreciation. He was talking about appreciation. Wake up in the morning and just appreciate you know certain things, and there's a few other people as well in that kind of whole work, which actually says that part. Of, that's part of their daily routine. In the morning, they meditate. I think, Subhanallah, we just pray Fajr, but you know, <laughs> they meditate uh, for 20 minutes. And uh, again, I'll focus on a couple of things that I'm 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 uh, grateful about. Some of them actually say you even repeat it to yourself um, that I appreciate whatever I appreciate, and just keep sitting that sentence over and over again, uh, um, and that has an effect. So it's interesting that you're you're saying that because that's these are non-Muslims saying this, you know. So this is um, them motivating other people. So and to me, that's just shukr, isn't it? That's just gratitude, something that we're supposed to do. And it almost has to be a very conscious thing in, in this day and age because with all the distractions and you're busy, it's almost you have to. Yeah, and I think the other thing is it. is the is the type of people you hang around with. If you're always hanging around with moaners then what happens is you start moaning as well. 
So I think that the company you hang around with, and it's one of the things interesting that she comes and mentions in that, that video I was talking about, it was the 17 benefits of trials and tribulations, which I recommended. So just on that, Sheikh, we've posted that on the Facebook page. So okay. uh, if anybody wants to go to the Facebook page, Radio Ramadan Glasgow, the link that Sheikh, uh, you're just referring to, uh, the talk is already there. But sorry to yeah, interrupt. So he mentions in that, you're saying that he goes, even, he goes, even moaners don't like other moaners. <laughs> the moan about the moaners. The moan about the moaners. And, you know, that's the thing. If you're around negative people, oh, my God, this happened. Oh, my God, that happened. Oh, my life is so rubbish. Oh, my life is that. You know, whereas if you're around, people say, alhamdulillah, you know, alhamdulillah, this happened, but alhamdulillah, you know, I've got this and I've got that. Alhamdulillah, I still have this. You then... It's again, it will rejig you in the right way. It will focus you to also think the same way. So keeping the right type of people around you is important. Negative people either change their thinking, influence them. And if you can't, then it's better to actually get rid of those type of people because their energy, their negative energy is just going to bring you right down. So if you, I mean, you know yourself, if you're on chirpy people, you start becoming chirpy yourself. Sometimes you're having a bad day and all you, or you, you meet one person and just picks you up. You know, and sometimes I mean, subhanallah, even on on Facebook, uh, I've, sometimes I've put, I've put a hadith up or something, and someone will say, "Sheikh, I needed that." Mm. You know, so it's just that one thing in their day that they read, and it's like, ah, you know, actually, it's, things are not so bad. I feel a lot better. So it's it's about reading that kind of stuff, inspirational stuff. Uh, there's lots of hadith, lots of sayings of or scholars. I mean, I'll, I'll share one uh, uh, one that I. Uh, a personal favourite of mine's as well Before I ask, answer the question on dua This one's uh, by Malik ibn Dinar And I love it It says If the dunya consisted of temporary gold And the hereafter of eternal sand So if the dunya was temporary gold And the hereafter was eternal sand He said A smart person would choose the eternal sand And leave the temporary gold Because if someone says Look you can have this one kilo of gold You can only have it for a day And then give it me back Or you can have this internal sand It will last forever you think, well, what's the point of having the gold for a day? I'm going to have to give it back. I may as well go with the sand. Then he says, he says, I say, well, how difficult can our choice really be when we know that the dunya consists of temporary sand and the hereafter consists of eternal gold? You know, so when you read that, you're like, whoa. You know, you're like, that's it. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, if the world is temporary sand and the eternity is, etem- is eternal gold, then how difficult can our choice really be? If your focus is on that, then you think, oh, you know, so what? A couple of years of difficulty, so what? It's nothing compared to what I'm going to get. So coming back to your your du'a, um, I think there's nothing wrong with with asking not to be tested. Um, so there's nothing wrong with asking not to be tested. But if you are tested, then to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the ability to get through that. Um, and also um, asking for afia, well-being, always well-being spiritually and physically in every way. And lastly, what I would say is um, get in the habit of talking to God. So if you if you have a difficulty, just say, Ya Allah, I don't get this. I don't understand. Show me, guide me. I don't get it. My heart's, my heart's in, 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 you know, uh, perplexed. My heart's like, you know, it's not in a good place. Ya Allah, give me a sound heart. Show my heart. Guide me. Give me the understanding. Guide me to the people that can help me understand. Just talk to God. Just, it's almost like a counsellor, right? What do you do when you counsel? You just open your heart and you let out things that you don't tell other people. Do that to do that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Ya Allah, I'm struggling. I'm having a bad day. I'm having, and just, just, you know, you're listening, you're there. Just show me, guide me someday or show me or just help me. 
And do you think that if you open your heart to Allah, He won't answer? Subhanallah. Jazakallah khair. Thank you. Um, really beautiful note to end the show Absolutely. on, I think. Thank you for listening. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome. Assalamu Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Crisis of Faith uh, with Sheikh Amr Jamil. Welcome to Radio Ramadan, it's 87.7 FM. Uh, hopefully you're having a wonderful Ramadan. Um, joining me in the studio today is uh, our usual, my usual co-host, Abdul Wadud. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, not bad yourself? Yeah, not bad. I've... Uh Considering the topic we're talking about today, I've decided to bring along my wife yeah, as well. Yeah. So Zenith's here in the studio as well. Assalamu alaikum. Just a last minute addition to the show. <laughs> yes, I think it's really important. So our topic today, um, uh, if you remember, if you're just joining us for the first time, the crisis of faith, which is um, every Saturday night or Sunday morning, is really trying to address some of these issues that are facing our community in relation to factors that are leading people to have doubts about their faith and actually leaving their faith as well. And so week one, we talked the whole aspect of homosexuality and the the implications that can have on a person's faith. Last week, we talked about um, why God allows suffering. And this week, we're going to be talking about why is Islam so unfair to women. Uh, but before we get cracking with our topic, Abdul off what we often do is sometimes people contact us after one of the shows yeah. um, And actually you can look, catch up with a lot of uh, The Radio Ramadan programmes on SoundCloud So if you just you know Go online and have a look for that um, so Sometimes people ask questions And it's useful yeah. I think Just to uh, recap And one of the things that we talked a lot about Suffering and quite a very, very sensitive topic last week Yeah. Um, and people have co- Contacted us and we're looking for some Further advice from the Sheikh And if you could maybe share that with the listeners Yeah so I mean Obviously, we were talking about, as Samanbai said, about uh, suffering last week and specifically about bereavement. So some somebody got in contact with us about, especially of young children, it seems like our community are particularly emotionally stunted when it comes to comforting the bereaved to some extent. There are a lot of empty platitudes without actually comforting the person. It sounds like from um, one of this, one of our questioners is that it sounds like most people are ending up more heart more hurt than comforted. So, Sheikh, how do we address the proper way to comfort the bereaved? Things, you know, just like things to say and not to say, how to be emotionally aware and, you know, um, astute when it comes to dealing with people that may be already in pain and not to cause further pain. I know that we've already discussed some of this on last year's show, Cradle to the Grave, when we when we talked about bereavement. But, Sheikh, if you could just give a recap um, of some of those some of those pieces of advice that you have Okay, alhamdulillah was salatu was salamu ala rasulullah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah so we have a concept in Islam called ta'ziyah or in the pack communities called afsos which is giving condolences the idea behind it is that obviously somebody's got somebody's had a loss so they're you know sad it's a sad occasion and you're supposed to go there and almost like share in their sadness just like a wedding when you go um, you're supposed to be quite happy and jolly because you're you're sharing in that blessing, you're sharing in that happy time with them. Death is the same thing. Death has come to that person. It's almost as if you're extending your your heart to that person, saying, "Look, I feel sad for you," uh, and therefore your demeanour should um, should reflect that. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did the ta'ziyah. He he sat for a while, 
and he showed sadness on his face. In other words, he was showing that he's sharing in that, that sad time with that person. It's not going to be the same. When you, when you lose somebody and someone else is coming to pay their respects, it's not the same. But the fact is that you feel for their loss and you should be empathetic. So there's lots of etiquettes. So one of the etiquettes is that you don't elongate it. So you're supposed to only do the ta'ziya for the first three days. So that's like the the, the the most difficult period because it's just you know it's kind of shock. People are in shock. They don't know what to do. You're supposed to gather around your yeah. your family, your friends, um, help them take care of the burial, everything that needs to be done. You do all the running about for them, bring them food um, because they're probably not going to be thinking about that. So feeding them, making sure they're looked after, okay making sure that they're okay, um, just being a listening ear, more than talking, just listening. Can you, can you do too much, you know, during that you period? You can do yeah. too much. Um, in fact, I mean, I mean, I've read in the books that you, you, when, once you go once in the three days, you don't go back. So my, my habit is that I don't go every, every day. Uh, some okay. people I don't go every day. I don't go every day. I go once. Um, now, if people, um, don't, if people think that I, I don't care as much, well, that's just because I'm falling what I have studied, you know, that's I'm not uh, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it based on knowledge. So, you know, you go there. I tend to just go. I'll read Surah Yasin. I'll quietly read whatever, unless someone asks me. In my kind of position, people start asking me questions, which is fine. Otherwise, I won't really say anything. Um, so it's not a time when you're supposed to talk. Now, what I find is that when people go, they will ask the person what happened. Mm. You know, and the thing is, look, the person's passed away they've probably explained that to 20 people before you and you asking them you're just making them repeat themselves again i'm sure you can find out from somebody else you don't have to find out from them so i would say don't go and ask them what happened right you know that they've passed away you're there to pay your condolences if they bring up conversation that's different but don't you start asking them questions so don't basically burden them with any questions don't ask them irrelevant things Um, what i find is that people um, stay too long when you go for a ta'zi, you're supposed to go for a short period, pay your respects and leave. What happens when you stay too long is that eventually you get tired of reading Quran or doing dhikr or whatever, and you start talking, right? So people start then, start chit-chatting with other people, and then they start distracting people. It sometimes gets noisy, and it's a bit disrespectful if you're mm-hmm. talking about football or what happened in the news, and someone's you're supposed to be there sharing in, in, uh, in the sadness of that person. So I would say do not elongate your, uh, your visits. Go for a short period. And leave if your family that you need to be there, you know, um, to help out. That's different. If you're just going there, go for a short period, give him respects, make dua for the person, say to him, look, if you if you need anything, give me a shout. I'm here. Um, if you want to talk to anyone, you know that kind of thing. And that's it. Don't put burden on their family. Yeah. So when uh, the Prophet said when Jafar's family passed away, he said make food for the family of Jafar. Because actually, the hadith said because that um, something has come to them, which has busied them. In other words, the death. So that's the point that they're they're bereaving, right? They're uh, in that state. Uh, they're not in normal state of mind. So you're supposed to take care of all their other things, yeah. so they can they can just foc- focus on their emotions and come around to it. Uh, and also, um, you know, just simple things like may Allah give you sabr. You know, may Allah make it easy for you. You know that kind of stuff is fine. You know, but not not like going on about what happened. Yeah, I, you know, with, with regards to specifically with um, death of young children, which is quite, you know, which can I can imagine would be much more uh, difficult to talk about. 
How do? What are the kind of things to say and not to say <clears throat> from your perspective? Um, just, um, just reiterating like Islamic um, things like you know, Inna Lillahi wa Inna Ilaihi Rajiun. Right? We're we're from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We're trying to turn Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We don't know how long we're here for. It was Allah's decree that they took the child. Allah knows best. Allah does what He does once in His creation. Uh, and giving them comfort that everything is a recompense. So this hadith about, uh, I mean, when this happens, usually people ask me, I've sent hadith to them before. So this hadith about, the first thing you'd say is that, look, inshallah, at least your child is in paradise. So mm-hmm. there's no accounting. They're going to go straight to paradise. So there's no more suffering. So whatever suffering they had in this world, that's it. It's over. And that's ultimately what you want. Isn't it? You want the best for your child. So the, the good news is that at least they've gone straight to paradise. There's no accountability. Um, secondly, that if they die before the period of puberty, uh, like there's no accountability, and also they will intercede for the parents. So the recompense or the the, recom- the the reward for the parents is that they show patience, patience, and they will find that their child will be waiting for them there in the next life. To uh, in fact, this hadith about the child would refuse to go into paradise except by like pulling their parents' hands. You know, so that that's that <coughs> is just like you cannot. You can't. Nothing can like compare to that at all. Hmm. So giving them hadith like that, giving them, um, uh, you know, um, kind of almost pos- putting a positive spin on it, yeah. basically. That look, we're all going to go, right? We're all going to go. Not everyone can live to eighty. Some people are going to go early. This is your test. Allah's given you this test. May Allah give you patience, sabr. I can't imagine what you're going through because it's not happened to me. But you know, I know that people that that d- it did happen to. You know that they've uh, they've gone through it, and also talk about the Prophet how the Prophet all his children passed away in his lifetime, apart from Fatima Zahra, who passed away six months after him. So he went through that. You know, he went through that loss. He lost Ibrahim salam at two years old, and when he lost him, the Sahaba the Sahaba saw him crying, and they said, "Ya Rasulullah, do you are you displeased with what God has decreed?" And he said, "I'm not displeased, but this is like this is my humanness. This is like I can't control this." So the grieving or feeling sad is, is the absolute natural. What he was trying to say is, this is my natural mm. reaction. Uh, 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 you know, I can't help this. However, we do not say anything which is dis- displeasurable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in other words, we accept it, but it doesn't mean you have to enjoy it. So, you know, giving them that comfort that, you know, the Prophet sallallahu went through that, um, you know, so it happens to the greatest of people. Um, and those kind of hadith, you know, and that's it. That's all you need to say. There's nothing more... You need to say to that person, um, like I said, if there's anything I can do, and just just saying, uh, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? How's your wife? Is your wife doing yeah. okay? Or husband doing okay? How's you, if you've got other children, how are your other children? So, you know, just showing that you care yeah. uh, about their welfare and their well-being. Mm-hmm. Are they okay? You know, are, are they handling it okay? And you say, you know, they're handling it as best they can. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa make it easy. And that's it. Yeah. That's about it. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. I think that's, that should be of some benefit for our, our listeners, inshallah. Uh, Aman Bay, we're going to talk about what... Can I just say one thing? Yeah, yeah no, I mean, of course. Can I ask Zina? Zina, um, the, I mean, obviously we just, I just see the men's side. On the women's side, what have you, have you noticed anything which is... Behaviour which is not helpful. You mean in terms of the inequality? No, no, no. In terms of condolences and, and bereavement, which is not helpful. When someone's passed away, you know. So well, actually, interestingly, I was I was reading a blog yeah. written by someone, and um, it was her. It wasn't a child; it was a father that passed away, and what she she'd written about how 
some things aren't helpful to her and it was just people bringing it up if they didn't really know her that wasn't helpful um i mean it's a really it was just it was just a nice thing to read because i know i i do that i bring it up a lot or you know it's it's a wrong time to bring it up but in terms of someone whose children have passed away you know my sister's first was a, a stillborn and i don't think i think to say that to someone that you understand their pain I think that's the wrong thing to say because you just can't understand their pain I think that's one thing that everyone who's lost someone close to them can echo that you no one really, no one else really understands it's a really dark place um, and I was speaking to someone and a lot of people in Glasgow know her because she set up something really positive now but she lost her she lost her baby and I was speaking to her recently and she said that she set up a support network now for other mums bereaved mums mm. Um, and I think that's amazing because the only thing that someone would, or the only person that would understand what you're going through is another mother. Mm. Um, so I don't know about, I mean, I've never personally come across anything inappropriate. Um, it's just about keeping it in mind if you know someone's, you know, like, for example, I know this is not the same thing, but losing a father. I mean, this this blog post I was reading, she said that it was difficult for her to see other people flaunting on social media about their fathers, especially on Father's Day. So just keeping things like that in mind or about your children, that other people might have lost their children or lost their fathers. And, you know, that's why you shouldn't really flaunt all your blessings. So that's a really good uh, insight there as well, Zina, just like a look at.